Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you with information that empowers you so you can make better financial decisions in your life. Before I get started, I want to mention, or if you've never heard this, let you know that we provide free one-on-one advice and guidance from our Team Clark Consumer Action Center that's been available to you since February of 19. 1993, where you could get free one-on-one advice Monday through Friday. You can find out more about how to do that at clark.com slash CAC. Today, I'm going to talk about savings accounts and how people are getting ripped off without even realizing it. Also, are you tired of customer no service from retailers? Well, some retailers are starting to wake up to how they're losing customers and losing repeat sales because they're treating you like dirt. What are they doing about it? We're going to talk about that. So speaking of treating people like dirt, the game the banks are playing with savings accounts is infuriating. Banks are setting up different savings accounts that sound similar, sound almost the same, but pay very different rates of interest. And you may have heard that Capital One that has a great savings account, not paying the very highest interest rates, but paying close to 4.5%, has most of its customers who don't specifically request that savings account in one that pays like about a third of a percent of interest or like one-fourteenth or fifteenth of what people are getting by going into the heavily promoted Capital One savings account. And so they're getting sued about that, and I'm sure other banks are going to get sued about it. The banks will pay some restitution, won't be close to the money that they've taken advantage of you with. But you need to be aware, because inertia is a bad habit that so many of us have with money. Whatever we've been doing, we do. We don't actually look at it, and we don't realize till later that, hey, wait a minute. They only paid me $8 in interest last year? My money should have made me hundreds of dollars in interest or thousands of dollars in interest or whatever it is. Because you know the biggest banks are still, if you don't look and aren't paying attention, 
they're still paying as little as one one hundredth of one percent on your savings, while other banks are paying five percent or so, or even that same bank, just by going in a differently named savings account, may be paying three, four percent or so, not five. But the reality is it's your money. You worked hard for it. You saved it. You want to earn what you can on it. Please be active, not passive with your savings. Do you know there's something like $8 trillion in money? It sounds impossible. Sitting in savings accounts. That's a figure I saw recently. That couldn't possibly be true, could it? $8 trillion? That sounds totally impossible. Anyway, there's a lot of money sitting in savings right now, whatever the actual number is. And if what I've heard is way off base, I'll correct that later, Kristen, when I read, oops, we're not coming up with that figure. The real number is so-and-so. But the point is the same. There's a lot of money sitting in savings. Most of it is earning puny, puny returns. Don't be one of these Capital One customers that are like woulda, coulda, shoulda, who are earning 0.3 instead of somewhere close to 4.5% on their savings. That's your money. That is your money, and you want to earn every last penny you can on it. And we do weekly, we update our Clark.com slash savings accounts page, which we compare the best rates we can find. So bookmark that page. Sharon in Missouri wrote in and she said, my 17-year-old daughter has saved over $15,000 from working the last two years. Isn't that fantastic? Unreal. She plans on using this money to fund her college education. She will not need to access the money until August of 2025. She currently has it in a credit union savings account, but she read that she can earn interest if she invests it somewhere else. Where do you recommend she invest her money for the biggest payout? Thank you. I listen to your podcast while I work my side hustle to help fund college educations and retirements. All right. Runs in the family. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. So your 17-year-old daughter needs to run, not walk, to open a Roth IRA with one of my favorite children, Fidelity Schwab or Vanguard, and put 7000 in for last year from her work, put another 7000 in, assuming she's going to earn at least that much this year from working, because if she was able to save 15000 over two years, sounds like she's earning at least seven grand a year, and get that money in a Roth IRA, because left in a savings account, under the rules required for qualifying for financial aid, she's expected to spend all that money on her education right away or else it invalidates her for a lot of financial aid. The formula punishes, is cruel to teenagers who've saved money for whatever purpose and have it in savings accounts. On the other hand, if she migrates that money into a Roth IRA, then it's considered not to be a spendable asset for college and does not discriminate against her at most any college. There may be an exception somewhere in qualifying for financial aid and assistance from a college she wants to attend. So set up the Roth. In her case, 
you know, she's only going to be able to earn under current conditions about 5% because with the window of time she has till she's going to use the money, you don't want to have the money invested in any way. So it would just be in a money market fund with one of the discount brokers inside of a Roth IRA. And having it in there will earn her five, five plus, five minus, somewhere around 5%. And at the same time, protected as an asset that she'd be discriminated against using for college. Now, here's the cool part. When you put money in a Roth IRA, you can withdraw your contributions at any time tax and penalty free. There's even rules for being able to use the money for college. The best thing is to leave it in that for as long as she can before she pulls it out for college so it has more tax-free growth. The only money that really needs to stay in there, though, is have full safe harbor is whatever earnings that money would have over the years. And that would give her a little start on building money for retirement, well, 50 years down the road. Logan in Iowa says, my wife and I are looking to get our first home here in the next three to six months. We're finding a handful of stuff in our price range in the areas we like. What steps would you recommend we go through to make sure we get the best deal? Should we get a buyer's agent? Should we get pre-approved now or wait a few months? How much of our monthly income should we budget for in terms of mortgage and taxes and fees? We aren't in a hurry, but we're ready to stop paying for our landlord's shiny new truck payments and start putting money back in our own pockets. So interesting that you're in Iowa looking to buy a home because I saw a map, almost like a heat map of the United States, and saw where home prices are just complete budget busters in the United States and where they're far more affordable. And the greatest affordability in the United States was in certain states of the Great Plains and much of the Midwest, that housing prices, although they've escalated, are still not terrible like they are, particularly on both coasts, curving all the way around into the four big markets in Texas. And so for you, buying a house is not as brutally awful, terrible in Iowa as it would be elsewhere. Because what I've been recommending to people, particularly along the coast and into the Texas markets, is that if you're a first-time homebuyer, you wait this out a little bit and you rent because rents are falling in much of the country. And the gap right now between renting and buying is so favorable to renters that it's actually an advantage, not a disadvantage, to defer buying a home. You are in a state that's an exception generally to that rule. So what do I want you to use as a target? I want you to look at your housing costs for mortgage, taxes, insurance, to be roughly no higher than a third of your income. Or you can base it on your rent plus 20% as an effective cost that you would have each month. Hiring a buyer's agent, first-time home buyer, absolutely. I want you to have a buyer's agent. He or she will know the market. They will be able to ask you the right questions to find out how important different factors are and help guide you to buying a home. The buyer's agent will also be able to advise you 
clearly on when you should get pre-approval for a mortgage or pre-qualify for a mortgage. The terms are used interchangeably, although they mean a little bit different things. But the pre-approval or pre-qualification period should be closer to when you are actively shopping for that home. And good luck looking out there. Every home requires compromise. You'll have to find the one that meets your needs the best and fits in your budget the best that you would be happy living in. Chad in Georgia says, is it true that interest in a savings account is taxed as ordinary income while interest in a money market account at Fidelity is taxed as capital gains? If so, do you think it would make sense to keep my liquid savings in a U.S. Treasury money market? That way, the way I think about it, the promise of FDIC insurance in my savings account is ultimately backed by the U.S. Treasury when it comes down to it, right? Yeah, so you go in a uh, Treasury money market fund or a government securities money market fund, it's a whisker safer than even being in a bank or credit union with FDIC insurance or NCUA. In terms of taxation, no, money that's in a money market mutual fund at Fidelity, Vanguard Schwab, or even one of their higher cost competitors, that is taxed as ordinary income effectively, just like money in a savings account. The thing that happens with money markets is money market funds that don't hold to a dollar share value, that the value of a short-term bond fund would be the most common, has both interest you earn and also capital gains or losses, is the value of the fund is not fixed at $1 per share. But any traditional money market mutual fund that has a fixed price dollar a share the interest you earn is taxed as ordinary income, just as it would be in a savings account. But usually, you will earn a higher rate of interest in a money market mutual fund than you will in a bank equivalent money market account or savings account. If you want to earn more and keep it as safe as possible, a treasury fund would be a great spot. Coming up ahead, Where's a great spot to get customer service? Well, there's a company that's known for customer no service that has finally decided it wants to live a different life. Guess who that is? Ikea. I'm going to tell you what they're doing. Legendary for customer no service, trying to turn it around. And it is a trend. trend what do you call that? A trendlet? It's not a full trend yet. <laughs> You're making up new words today. I love it. It's a trendlet. Trendlet that about having improved customer service that I hope goes from being a trendlet to a full trend. We're going to talk about that straight ahead. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. 
Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So Ikea has been legendarily infamous for an atrocious customer experience. You buy things, you get home, you start trying to build them, and then you realize you're missing these parts or pieces. Or you go there at a busy time, and you're going around with all the carts, and you're trying to find stuff, and it's supposed to be on aisle six, uh, section F, or whatever their coding is. And you get to 6F, The item's not there, even though it showed it was in stock. Then the checkout lines, man, the checkout lines. And the customer knows service when you have a problem, yuck. And when you're waiting for something there, you could have one birthday and then have a second birthday before they're actually ready for you to haul your stuff home. In spite of that, Ikea does extremely well because the price point is incredible and even though people make fun of ikea quality the reality is a lot of the ikea stuff is not disposable it will last a really long time in fact i read a story just yesterday about somebody who had gotten an ikea sofa right out of college had it for 20 something years and then decided to buy a new sofa from a fancy-dancy place, and the new sofa didn't make it two years, and the Ikea had still been going strong. So it's not always going to be a question of lack of durability, and the price points are very good. But they put people through this terrible shopping experience. Well, Ikea finally is like, oh, maybe we should treat people better when they're trying to buy from us. So in Texas, California, and Georgia, they're opening new format IKEA places that you can actually come in and sit down that are small, small formats. They don't have all the stuff there or anything like that. But they're opening these small formats to test how do we make people not hate us when they come to spend money with us And so they're going to have people who are supposedly knowledgeable in these centers that you can come in and 
They will help you plan out what you're doing. And they're also going to have streamlined pickup. So you could buy something. And instead of having to wait forever for the item, you'll be able to buy it online and then go to one of these small format places to pick it up when it's ready instead of waiting for the cows to come home, whatever that expression means, to be able to pick up your stuff. And it is this thing I just maybe invented a new word, trendlet, that seems to be happening as a cross-current in retail at the same time other retailers are doing what they can to make us miserable. There was a fast company story about how retailers who are trying to differentiate themselves are trying to offer actual real customer engagement and service and not go to automation that says we value your business and that's why we're leaving you on hold forever. That people are crying out for a different, better customer experience. Because I think about this a lot. The expression of the guy who turned around, uh, if you're old enough to remember Continental Airlines, it became United. Continental had like the worst service reputation of any company that existed in the United States at one time. And a leadership team came in led by a guy named Bethune, who was like, of course people hate us. We're terrible. And he turned the company around. And I remember one of his expressions, you can always make a pizza bad enough and cheap enough that no one will want to buy it. The reality is American retail has ignored the Gordon Bethune rule. And they have made the pizza bad enough and cheap enough that nobody wants it. And so there is real value to not treating your customers like dirt, period. I think the companies that put not words but deeds behind treating a customer better over time will take market share. I'm not talking about the small locally owned business, the boutique kind of thing. They live, they survive against the bigs just by having a personalized experience. And if they don't, they will go extinct. They will close. But I'm talking about the local chains, regional chains, and the national chains. If you improve the customer experience, it doesn't cost, it pays. And you benefit. And the companies that are smart will adapt. And we'll see if a year from now I'm reporting that IKEA has now closed their new (laughs) experimental places or realized, hey, there really is value to treating people better and opens more of these customer-friendly kind of things. You know, in 24, it's hard to believe that the IKEA experience is still as antiquated as it is in those stores. I remember how long ago was it that you decided to redo your own kitchen? My Ikea kitchen, that would have been about 20 years ago almost. Okay. So that is so seared in my memory, Krista, because you bought an older house. Mm -hmm. You put a lot of money into buying that house and you had to really do a tight budget on Mm -hmm. redoing the kitchen. And so you decided you were going to do 
Yeah, I did an Ikea kitchen. It was very cost effective. Then I had the cabinets painted. And when we sold that house, that was the the buyer said it was the selling point. They loved the kitchen. They loved the Ikea kitchen. I bought used appliances. I did everything. I remember you going to buy the used appliances. That was was a real thing back Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. So how many trips did you make to Ikea? It was like every day after work. You would be back at Ikea because this oh, panel yeah. was missing, this part oh, was missing. Oh my gosh, I don't even know how many times I was there waiting. And Well, oh my when, gosh. They, when they finally painted a reserve space for you. Yeah, I'm shaking just thinking about it. Like, it's a bad memory, <laughs> but it worked out. All right, let's go to some questions. Mac in Texas says, I recently bought a level term life insurance policy from Haven Life as recommended on Clark.com. The policy was very easy to buy, and I was approved without a medical exam. When I was applying for the insurance, I was notified by the website that Haven Life was to be discontinued after January 12th, and I had until March to be approved for the policy. I was instantly approved, and my rate was very competitive. I was also ecstatic not to have to submit to a medical exam. My concern is that with Haven Life ceasing to exist, what happens to my policy? Does it turn into a mass mutual policy or will it be bought out by a company with a less than stellar AM best rating? I contacted customer service at Haven Life and they seem to be legally obligated to be vague and non-committal about the future of my policy. Is this a red flag and should prompt me to keep shopping for life insurance or should I feel fortunate to have bought from Haven while I was still able? So you got to look through, uh, I assume you have all electronic paperwork, so... Make sure you're not bleary-eyed when you do this. It should say in it whether it's underwritten directly by Mass Mutual, which a lot of them are, or Mass Mutual also has a wholly owned subsidiary that some or some number of the Haven Life policies go into. That subsidiary will have a um, AM Best rating of its own. Can we do an update on Clark.com about Haven Life? We've already updated our article and review on that. So if we could also check to see the financial strength of the second underwriter that MassMutual uses, because MassMutual is as rock solid as any insurer could be. And if your policy is underwritten directly by MassMutual, no issue. The question mark is this subsidiary of MassMutual what kind of financial strength does it have if your policy is with it? And that's what we'll put in our update. Haven Life, I'm just really bummed that Mass Mutual is shutting down Haven Life. I hope that they incorporate the tools of Haven Life into the big Mass Mutual and continue for you to be able to buy a policy that way because it's fantastic that they use medical information available about you and mathematical formulas, algorithms to underwrite you instantly because most people who go to buy a life insurance policy don't follow through because it takes months from when you want to initially apply for a life insurance policy to when it's issued. Haven Life was a breakthrough because they came up with this gutsy thing of doing medical underwriting electronically for most applicants, and it was instant issuance and approval of a policy. And I hate that they are being shut down or absorbed into MassMutual, their parent. 
Heather in Georgia says, I was hoping you can help me. My father passed away and has a lot of miles on Delta. Am I able to acquire those transfer from his account to mine? I know with Marriott you can, but I couldn't find it on Delta's site. So Heather, first of all, I want to tell you, I'm really sorry that you've lost your dad. As a general rule, the airlines are, are opaque about this. They are not going to be very forthcoming because they technically own your late father's points. So let me tell you, not the book answer, but what most people do. If they know or can get into the account by doing a password reset, what people do is they just issue tickets to, to you, Heather, or to other people using your dad's points. Now, I know before any lawyer goes on Clark Stinks and posts that I'm now encouraging family members of a deceased individual to commit fraud or whatever, this is so routine in families that this is done that you just do it. If you contact the airline, though, they're then going to say, okay, we want to see in your dad's will where he willed these points to whoever. And if your dad did have a will, uh, any lawyer who does wills, estates, and trusts puts in a will now things like uh, frequent flyer mile accounts and things like that with the designation of who inherits the points. And most hotels and airlines will honor what is in that will. But in a will that does not have anything in it, or if there is no will, a lot of times an airline just treats it as, well, that's just too bad we have these points, which is why families just they just quietly empty those accounts, use those points. Because those sky pennies, they don't get better with age. You use those, the program's officially called Sky Miles, yes. but there were so little now that in the frequent flyer world, people call Delta's miles sky pennies. You use them. You don't let them sit because the airlines continually devalue their points just as Southwest did January 1st with their points and their rapid rewards program. A2 Southwest. All right. <laughs> Lindsay in Florida says, what is your suggestion for the best tax filing service, computer versus person chain company? I don't qualify for the simple return, but my tax returns are not too complicated. So Lindsay, you can do your taxes in most cases for free. In fact, can we cover that sometime in the next yes, few podcasts? Absolutely. Um, there are a couple of programs. If you make less than 80000 a year, there's an IRS program called Free File, where you can use various commercial tax preparation firms and not pay. And in a number of states, the IRS now has Direct File, where you can file your taxes for free through the IRS program. You usually can do your state return as well for free through Direct File. We're the last developed country in the world to have a direct file program. And as of right now, I think it's available in nine of the 50 states, but most of the most populated states. And so I'll cover all that in a few days. But right now for you, go look at irs.gov, 
click on the free file icon and see what's available to you in your circumstance for you potentially to be able to use tax prep software and file for free. You said you don't have a simple return, but it's not complicated. You'll probably be fine with tax prep software. Who's not fine with that? Complicated family situation, you own your own business, anything like that, going through a divorce, just getting married. In that kind of case, you may find that you would benefit from using an enrolled agent who is a classification of someone who is not a CPA but is registered with the IRS to do tax prep, or in a more complicated situation, like in my case, I own multiple companies. I have a pretty complicated financial situation with a lot of real estate and all that. I use a CPA who specializes in doing tax work. So as for the commercial or chain tax prep firms, you're really dependent on the quality of the individual at the particular office you'd go to with a commercial tax prep firm. And I find that someone who has a situation that's simple enough to use a commercial preparer is probably in a situation you'd be fine doing your own return using tax prep software that can be paid or available to almost all of us. Free tax prep software is there for the taking and asking. So again, I'll cover this in full on a future episode sometime soon because, well, there are already people trying to do their tax returns. And thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I look forward to serving you tomorrow. Hope the rest of your day is fantastic. 